Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Do We Love It podcast. This is your host, Dr. Water with Lemon, recording live in Wilmington, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Still early in the morning, working on the pronunciation right now. Um, we are the town over from my hometown, Reading, Massachusetts. Uh, not our typical Philosophy Friday. We are doing a feature interview with the owners of American Benchcraft, a local uh, leather goods manufacturing company. So today we got uh, Chris. How you doing? And we got Jason. How's it going? So uh, the three of us grew up in Reading. We're all uh, all all went to uh, elementary, middle school, and sports and all that together. And uh, so they they started a. Uh, what started out as a little business and now is we're sitting in a big a big shop right now i'm kind of blown away um so which one of you wants to uh give us the rundown on the history of the business when you guys were established and and your products and who wants to uh give us a uh, top level summary all right we got jason right here all right, so we started in 2014. Um, my brother, Chris, had just moved back from New York. Uh, I had just left my job uh, working for the Air Force, and we were just kind of motivated to start a business together. We figured something having to do with selling product would be great because my background was in design and manufacturing. His was in marketing and advertising. So. Uh, we settled on a leather goods company, started it out of my parents' basement, did a Kickstarter campaign in March of 2014, um, and sold $20,000 worth of wallets in 30 days, and that was pretty much the, the boost that we needed to, to get the company up and running. Um, and then uh, we expanded the product line over that summer, um, picked up our first... Uh, retail accounts that fall and um, pretty much after that first year we were we were set to go moved into our first office space in Reading uh, in the end of 2014 and uh, operated out of there as a little 600 square foot basement shop with no windows uh, we operated out of there for about three and a half years and then uh, moved into our new space where we're currently located in Wilmington, Mass, into a 4,000 square foot um, shop with a lot of windows in, uh, uh, what was that, 2018, and we've been here ever since. And uh, yeah, we sell predominantly online um, through our own website, and, uh, and yeah, that's, that's the down and dirty. Excellent. So since the... So the, the wallets were the initial product, correct? Yep. And since then, you guys have ex- expanded big time um, with the consistency being leather, if correct? Yep. Um, so how, how, what is it that made you guys choose leather? What, what do you like working about with it? And you know, how did you get into that space? Yeah, I can answer that. So I uh, I had been doing um, woodworking for for a few years before this, and uh, I had started incorporating leather into my woodworking. Really liked working with it. It's also something that it was uh, it was easier to get into. You didn't need as many um, expensive tools and machinery and as big a space. Um, so it was easy to get started up. You know, 
in my parents' basement, just kind of like tinkering. And then, uh, and then as we grew it, it was just, a. I I think it was the real appeal was that it was more easier to scale than a woodworking business and, um, and, uh, more easier to get up and running with. Um, but it's, it's, it's just, a it's a material that has a lot of variation and there's a lot that you can do with it. Everything from small accessories all the way up to, to bags. And, and like I said, even furniture. Um, so there's, uh, there's a lot of cool things you can do with it. And, uh, I think that was, that was really the appeal was that, um, there was a lot of different markets that we could break into. Um, like, uh, like we were talking about it, we started out with just wallets um, and small accessories, then expanded into belts, and now we do everything from pet products, outdoor gear, home accessories, gift items, um, and and a bunch of other things. So it's uh yeah it's it's there's just a lot of opportunity and, and flexibility working with leather. That makes makes sense. Um, so obviously, any industry secrets or connections that you can't give away totally understandable but in in general are you guys um are, are you working with a finished leather product and manufacturing the product or like at what stage are you getting the leather do you have local people you source from how do you determine what's quality leather to work with just Things like that, I guess. Yeah, so we work with two tanneries in the Northeast, um, and we buy the full hide or the side. It's basically a side of a of a steer, um, and we buy uh, you know we buy the full hide and then bring it into the shop. the The hide's already finished, colored, everything. So we bring it in, and then are you, are you <clears throat> giving your specifications beforehand on how you want the hide to be finished? Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And. Uh, yeah, so we get it at the weight that we need it, or the, or the thickness that we need it, and uh, the color, and uh, and then the the temper, which is like how how firm the leather is, and uh, depending on which the type of product that we're making, and then we bring that into the shop, and we cut, um, cut, rivet, stitch, finish it, um, seal the edges, and uh, and then you know mold the product to shape if it needs to be. So. That's uh, that's pretty much what we're doing in house. Gotcha. So I remember when you guys did the Kickstarter years ago, the video. You guys kind of had an emphasis on the rivets because of the durability. Um, can you touch on that a little bit? Like, how did you guys come up with that product design? And yeah, yeah. So a lot of our products uh, feature solid brass rivets, and the the whole idea behind that was just um, where our first product was a wallet both of us had had wallets that fell apart at the seams so um we wanted to make a seamless wallet so our first wallet was made from a single piece of leather that was folded and uh riveted there was no thread stitching and that was kind of our signature design concept that we've applied to um as many product products as we were able to that you know fit within that that model so um yeah it's just the idea is just to design products that'll last a lifetime, and uh, you know they're they're usually very minimal um, and uh, simple products, but you know they're built to last. Yeah, I mean, I I can say from uh, just from having my wallet the past five years, it kind of gets gets better with time. You feel like the leather wear in takes take shape a little bit better, and 
saying to you guys earlier, it's it's interesting that you know, it's it's a, one of the few products that over time it it, it almost seems like it improves just because of like the the wear on it. It almost seems like it's good mm-hmm. good for the leather a little bit. Yep. Um, Real leather patine is beautifully. That's where. Uh, I mean, that's where you get like a lot of that, just like that finish that you're talking said about. Leather patine. Uh, patinas. What's so, that? Uh, I don't know. You wanna? Yeah, it's just th- that. It's that like that that look of that of like the leather molding around what you carry it takes on like a, a kind of glossy finish or whatever and that's just when you're using natural high quality leather the oils from your skin and uh, just from daily use they just make the leather age better it's when you're using like a lot of people you know will see in in your like you're on your store shelves it will say genuine leather with what which just means it's basically like the plywood of leather so Leather scraps been ground down, then glued back into a sheet and has this fake finish that's put over it, um, and it can so still... Gen- so genuine leather is not high-quality leather? No. What you want to look for is either top-grain or full-grain leather. That's an actual leather hide, not scraps that have been it ground is, up. Are most of your back. products top or full-grain? Yeah, grain? all our products are full-grain leather. And so uh, full is, grain is better than top grain? Yeah, it's confusing. But so full grain is actually the uppermost surface of the hide. So full grain is the hide as it comes off of the steer. It, it has all the range marks, barbed wire scars, um, bug bites, all that stuff on the surface of the hide that we have to, you know, cut around. Um, and then um, and it's the uppermost portion of the hide is the strongest. It's where the fibers are the tightest. That's why... Full grain is um, is the best type of leather you can use, and then top grain still a real high quality leather, but that top surface has been shaved off so that it gets rid of all the defects and you get better yield out of the hide. Um, but you sacrifice a little bit of strength, but it's still leagues above genuine leather. Got it. Um, so, and that's that's what allows the leather to age and just get better with time. Where genuine leather where it's just been ground up scrap, glued into a sheet, and then has this fake finish put over it. When you use it, that fake finish gets rubbed away, and then you just basically have this like powder of leather that is gonna just kind of disintegrate and, and fall apart over time. Wow, I, I always saw genuine leather in stores, and I'd be like, wow, <laughs> that is genuine leather. Yeah, like, fancy. wow, that, that must be, I can't believe it's only five bucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you know. So, not that anybody ever should purchase leather from anybody besides American Benchcraft, <laughs> but if somebody was an absolute Yahoo and decided to do so, just looking in a store, are there any telltale signs where you can, where like the like um, obviously you guys can probably walk in and you know something good right away <clears throat> for yep. a, for a lay person like myself who doesn't know shit about leather, how? Are there any signs where, like, you just walk in and, like, you're like, that's shit, or, like, that's good? Most most leather will have the label on it. So all you got to do is, like, I, if I, not that I've, like, purchased a belt, you know, any time in the recent memory, but if you just go in, belt, wallet, anything made out of leather, just flip it over and look on the back, and it'll say genuine leather, bond leather's even worse. Um, it'll, if it's top grain, it will say it. I've... I've never seen a full grain leather product in a store. Uh, I have seen top grain if you look hard enough. Uh, so um, typically retail items are going to be the lower quality leather. And if you want something high end, you'd 
probably have to order it from a more boutique type yeah, shop. Straight from the manufacturer yep. um, is usually the ones because full grains, it's just expensive hide to work with. Yeah. But uh, yeah, if you just flip it over and look on the back, you can you'll see exactly what it's made out of. And uh, yeah, and, and that's the thing is uh, factories overseas are getting better and better at making products look like high quality leather. So it's getting harder and harder to tell. I mean, if if you own a lot of full grain leather products, then you could probably tell by the feel and by the look. And if you kind of bend the leather, increase it, you'll you might be able to see that you know the surface is it's just a surface level finish but your best bet is like you can't label a product that's genuine leather full grain and nobody that's making full grain leather products would label it genuine leather so the, your best bet is just to look at the just at the label it. on the yeah. back the other thing too is with full grain leather uh, and like i said you don't you won't see a lot of full grain leather products in stores but full grain like my brother said is the top of the hide so you'll actually see the imperfections that uh, we cut around like you know, larger, more significant blemishes or whatnot, but subtle, like, you know, you'll see little scars like that in the, uh, in the, act on like the actual hides. And so that's uh, actually a good thing. Though. It is. Yeah. If you see that, it's Which, a good cut. To the eye test, if you don't know anything, you might say, I don't, I don't know about that. It that looks, looks like it's bad. Right. You know? And that's where, you know, we'll, we'll, every once in a while, we'll get like a new customer who will kind of ask like, oh, there's like a blemish on it. Um, but you know, real leather enthusiasts or people who like understand or have worked with leather or know, that's actually a telltale sign of like, it's like buying a steak, you know, with good marbling. It's a telltale yeah. sign of a good quality, uh, cut of leather. If you see those, um, those subtle imperfections that sure. will tell you it's the top of the hide. Who are, who are some leather enthusiasts that you deal with? Are there certain industries that you're like, oh, okay, hell yeah. Like I like working with these type of people. Um, yeah, I mean, all of the industry, like all of our customers and the clientels, uh, for the most part, just appreciate our products just on the feel, you know, the, mm -hmm. they're heavy duty. I mean, you hold one of our belts or a multi-tool case or a wallet and it's going to, it's going to be heavier than what you would pick up in a department store. Um, but within those industries, the customers who have the fewest questions and I think know the most about leather are hunters are a big part and then equestrians. Mm -hmm. Um, they just tend to know, seem to seem to know a lot more about leather, uh, and you can just tell by when they call. They're asking questions. You know, is that is this a full grain cut? Is it top grain? Most people don't. You know, uh, probably up until this podcast, won't even, won't even have ever heard those terms before, other than genuine leather. Right. Uh, so those are yeah, those tend to be some of our our biggest, most appreciative customers as hunters, equestrians. Anything else you can think of? Uh, yeah, and then a lot of like blue collar, um, blue collar like work, work and labor. Yeah, because really you guys you guys do a lot with uh, you are huge in the multi tool case space right now. Correct? Yeah, exactly. And there's there's uh, there are companies that are making real high quality tool belts like Occidental. They um, so and a lot of people in those. Um, in those fields um, are familiar with what like high quality leather because if you know if they buy something that's not high quality leather it's only going to last a couple weeks so uh, so we that's why like one of our most popular products is just um, a case for you know multi-tools and knives and um, 
there's I think that's been like a pain point with customers that are you know spending a lot of money on these really nice knives that are guaranteed for life, but they're coming with um, you know made in China sheaths that fall apart after a few weeks, and it's like you know then what are you supposed to do with that knife? So we sell a lot of uh, a lot of knife cases and a lot of multi tool cases. That it's like are, getting an you know, iPhone 10 without a case. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So exactly. So we're we're selling a lot of those that you know our cases are designed to last just as long as the knife, and I think that's important to a lot of people, especially the ones that are like you know really putting them to the grind every day. Um, so just. Just hearing what you guys have to say about your products and your way of business, it sounds like you're not in the space where you're selling off of price, you're selling off of quality. Yep. Yeah. Um, how do you how do you battle that with with the overseas manufacturing? That is one of those things where, you know, and it, so right now our most probably our most popular product in terms of just volume sales all around our belts. And uh it's you know, you're selling an $80 belt versus, you know, department stores, you can buy belts for 20, 30, 40 bucks. And, uh, I mean, when I was a kid, like I always have those, those belts you bought department stores, they'd last maybe, you know, a year, three, yeah, yeah three years, years if you're lucky. Yeah. And not only that, I, like I was looking at pictures of myself going back. I think it was at like my brother's graduation and I, the belt I was wearing, like I was just trying to make it last because I didn't want to have to buy a new belt. And it was like, looked so horrible. All the quote unquote leather was like peeling away yeah. and it was just disgusting. I couldn't believe I was like walking around looking like that. And, uh, and especially we, when you're conscious now of higher I, quality things, that's, you know, if you're not conscious of it, you don't think about no. just a belt on your waist, but that's, yep can be a, a display piece almost of, of an outfit. Absolutely. And I, I didn't know that belts could last like longer than, you know, like you said, like a year, three years max. And that's if you're like pushing it and wearing it to the degree that I did where it like didn't even look good anymore. And uh, we get like, that's probably our most frequently asked question is we'll get customers to be like, you ate, your belt's 80 bucks. I can buy one, you know, in a department store for, you know, 20, 30, 40 bucks. Well, why, why should I buy your belt? Well, how long do those belts usually last? Oh, I don't know. You know, I buy a new one every like two years, something like that. Our belts are guaranteed for life, and not only that, but they'll look good. You know, right. they'll they'll wear in beautifully. They'll age and, nicely. Uh, yeah, and that's the thing is like, our belts, and that's why they've become so popular. Is and I remember you know talking like like I said a lot of like, or like my brother said a lot of blue collar workers. You know, like your contractors, mechanics, people who, you know, look for like that heavy duty stuff. I remember talking with like mechanic, a couple of years ago. And I was telling him how we just launched a belt line. He was showing me his belt. He's like, I've had this belt for 15 years. He's like, I paid 100 bucks for it when I bought it. But it's like, I've never had to replace it. And uh, that's the beauty of, of our belts. And that's, that's, that's the difference what you can get. You can either pay less and get something and just have to replace it every now and then or uh, every quite often. Or you can, buy, you can buy something that's made of quality and... It'll last you for as long as you want. You can you can swap it out on your own terms or keep it forever. And um, I think that's just what's really really kind of ignited our belt and, and allowed those to take off. That's the difference between what you get, um, you know, overseas and what you can get here. The, the other thing too that we uh, we focus on in order to maybe not have to compete with the the cheap China made products is products that we see people happy to replace every three to five years isn't really a product category we want to get into. So something like, 
you know, a phone case. We, we haven't rushed into that market yet because we know people are getting new phones every, you know, three, four years right. or whatever all, it is. All of a sudden, Apple releases a phone <clears throat> half the yeah. size of what they are now, and now you guys have a thousand phone cases that don't fit any phones. Right, and, and along with that is our whole marketing pitch of, like, guaranteed to last forever, built to last, guaranteed for life, all that. It, who, who cares about a phone case that's going to last for life? They need it to last for three or four years. And, right. you know, a China-made case probably will do that. But saying that our belt is going to be guaranteed to last for life or wallet, well, that's something where people, you know, can identify with the pain. But like, man, that was so frustrating last year when, uh, when I was, you know, getting dressed for that wedding I went to and I pulled out my belt and it was all cracked and broken and beat up and looked like, you know, crap. And so it's something people So is people the belt space new for you guys? No, I mean the belt was the second the second product we we got into, but it was an instant success. Unlike the wallet, we had so to put you, a lot of. So were you not wearing your own belt? Um, uh, <laughs> no, no, I, I wasn't. When we launched the company, all we had was was wallet. the wallet, and then right, uh, right, right, right. I would say within maybe three months from our launch and our Kickstarter, we had belts up, and. Unlike, you know, with the with the wallet, we had to do a whole Kickstarter video, tell the whole story of the product. I mean, we, we put belts up, and they instantly started selling. We were like, wow, people really care about uh, a high-quality belt. So, yeah. Well, bel belts also is like one of those things, in my opinion. I'd rather have one good belt than five yeah. shitty ones mm -hmm. or five decent ones. Yep. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, even like drinking out of – Jason's drinking out of a Yeti right now. It's the same deal. I'd rather have like – I'd rather pay like a hundred bucks for like a Yeti and have like just one nice one than have like 15 like <laughs> crappy <laughs> thermoses. ones that you got at the conference. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So how long have you guys been doing this full time? So we, we were doing it, uh, part time 2014. Um, you, you had kind of been pretty much doing it full time since, uh, since, 2015 I think mm -hmm. um, so was was Jason designing things and then Jason would design them then I would list them and sell them online okay do the marketing and put them on the website and whatnot okay got it um, so that was kind of yeah so like my work I you know well both of us I mean we always took like side jobs and whatnot uh, and just did kind of whatever we we could you know Jason's like pretty handy so he's doing like handyman work around Reading I was like I mean, those first those first two years getting started were we were just like taking anything we could just to like kind of keep the company going. I was like, I was driving people to doctor's appointments. I was, you know, anything I could do to make so money. So was this when you were doing it full time? You were also doing just some side stuff. Yeah, yeah. We were you, were you so were you working the company while at your job no so when we we had both quit our jobs by the time we had started up this company in 2014 you yeah yep. okay um and then you know like so those like first two years like we, we weren't making enough money to like survive off of so that's where we were just doing like side jobs and like I said anything that we could get just to kind of pay pay the rent pay the bills um you know random stuff i was like a designated driver on friday nights for like a bunch of people piece of shovel roofs for the oil company across the street anything um, that we could just make and then 2016 was it when we finally kind of like hit our stride and, and started to just barely make enough money to not have to do that and that's when we really committed and uh that's when like the company started to to grow because 
as much, you know, like we, we did those things as we had to, to pay the bills and whatnot, but it is like disruptive, you know, when you're, you know, trying to work or you're getting like a good rhythm and all of a sudden you get a call and you got to run out because you need money, you know, to pay the yeah. bills, keep the lights on and whatnot. Um, so those first two years were, were a tough balancing act, but I think it was, uh, it was, uh, 2016 was the first year that we were able to like, all right, you know, we were able to take a, you know, small salaries and, uh, that was, that was the, that was when we were just like, all right, we're full time now. And we've been pretty much working around the clock ever since then, just, you know, to, uh, to keep it going. Nice. So what, what's like a typical day like for you, if you have a typical day? Um, typical day for us, this was probably back before we had kids, you know, was Jason would get in early, usually like by like eight o'clock. I would get in a little bit later around nine o'clock and, uh, you know, I'd work a little bit later. Jason would leave a little bit earlier, and, and we just, you know, always made sure we had coverage during the week. And then, I mean, you know, we also, you know, we get home at night, work a few more hours there, uh, even on, like, the weekends and sometimes, you know, Sundays just watching football. There's, there's never a shortage of work, you know, when right. you're kind of trying to get a company or startup off the ground. It's a little bit different now because now that we have, like, other people uh, at the company, you know, we always got to – try to make sure that we have coverage. Uh, so, you how, know. How much of your days, are, are you handling like uh, production and manufacturing? Or are you doing more of like the back end stuff or? So I used to do all shipping and fulfillment. So I would like, when Jason would make the products, I would ship them out to customers, package them up and ship them out. Uh, and that was pretty much the divisional labor um, up until like the last like two years. Now, Jason does more, like, design work, so he'll, like, work on and design new products, uh, and then the majority of what I'm doing is just, uh, like, online, like, ad optimizing and, mar you know, like, market research, you know, trying to figure out, like, how we can, because we still sell primarily online, and... Uh, and that was your prior background? Yeah. A little so, bit? What yep. were you doing prior? So... Um, it's called search engine optimization. So you just pretty much put content online that people have the ability, you know, can come across and find your products. Got it. Because, uh, you know, like if you have a retail storefront, you're limited geographically to people who come by your store or hear about it or whatnot. It's kind of the same thing online except your base is, you know, any of the billions of people online at a time. You just, you still got to get people to find you though. Right. And the best way to do that is just by like putting content out there, make sure you have like a good website. And, um, you know, it's, it's very random, but it's when people type in, you know, stuff that they're looking for online, it, it all comes down to like what, what your, what like relevant, like keywords, your, your website like shows up for. So it's competitive. There's, you know, a million other companies that are selling yeah. leather products. So you got to try to figure out ways to get your company to pop up over them so that, do you guys have any uh, consistent markets outside of the Northeast, or is it kind of scattered? Or yeah, so um, in terms of like geographically, yeah. So we've actually the Northeast has only, is a recent market for us. Really? Uh, yeah, our products are most popular in Texas, uh, followed by California, and then a little bit in New York, and then kind of scattered around the Midwest. We actually didn't have a big New England market um, up until. I think it was in two, end of 2016, um, WCVB5, they have this segment called Made in Mass. It's the lead into Chronicle, and uh, they featured our company on it, and uh, that actually put us on the map in New England, and al almost overnight, 
now New England, Massachusetts are is our biggest uh, customer base. It's still pretty competitive between like Texas and uh, California, but it was only the last like two years that um, we became really popular in like the New England states. Just just from that made wow. in mass segment alone. Wow. Yeah. Well, we have a huge following on the podcast in, right. the, in the UK, so. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> you guys ever, do you, ship, do you ship international ever? We do. Um, what, what's the furthest you've shipped, I guess, or like the strangest location or order you've sent out? Oh. We've, so we've shipped, we've sent products to 38 countries. Wow. Um, wow, that's a lot. Yeah, still still nothing to Antarctica and Africa. So if <laughs> Those anybody's listening, yeah. <laughs> help us out here. Um, but, I mean, we've sent, we've sent stuff to Siberia. Uh, that was probably... <laughs> yeah. Wow. And, um, Our biggest international customers are Australia and Canada. Okay. Um, but, yeah, we do ship a lot to the U.K., and, and we've shipped to Japan's actually a pretty good customer as well. Um, we've shipped a few orders to uh, Russia, China, and then you know countries within the UK, Italy, uh, Spain. Nice. You should be having these people like take pictures yeah. of your stuff and send it back. <laughs> yeah, I should. <laughs> but yeah, our biggest international customers are are Canada and Australia and Japan. I'd say. Nice. So for you personally, what's what's your favorite product? The belts always have been ever since we launched them, and it was just because I always like I didn't know that much about belts, and I just remember, um, you know, like I love all of our products, but I remember when like Jason first like came to me at the belt that he had made, and I like put it on, and it just like felt so heavy duty out of anything that I've ever worn, and I've been wearing that belt every day for five years, and you know I'll touch it up every now and then with a nice nice leather conditioner. If I ever scratch it like really bad, yeah, you know, rub up against a you know nail or something, you know, if I'm clipping my cell phone case to it and it gets like really like kind of, I just get shoe polish with the uh, that matches the belt, put it on and it looks brand new, nice. brand new, and it's been you know I've, I've like I said I've worn it every day for five years and uh, no end in sight, still, still strong. Yeah, I love it. I love the way it feels. What uh? What's your favorite product to design, or what do you like to work on? Um, I'd say my favorite product that I've made is the multi-tool case because I made that for myself originally. Never had any intention of selling it. I just, I just, cause I carry a Leatherman Wave every day, and uh, I, I just didn't think there was a market for Leatherman cases because I was like, yeah, Leatherman already comes with a case. Who's gonna buy the tool and then go out and buy another case separately, and uh. And it ended up being our one of our biggest markets. So um, yeah, and I just I love the case. It, they, you know, it, it's gonna outlast my tool, and I, uh, I don't know. That, that's definitely my favorite product. And then uh, in terms of designing products, um, yeah, I, I would say I still I still like designing um, wallets the best because there's a lot of different are you, functionality are you, still, are you still tweaking them like do yeah. you still make changes or yeah like i'll, I'll come out with I guess yeah exactly so i i do it now almost exclusively when we get you know overwhelming customer feedback about something so if we had like so we you know had a really high demand recently or over the past let's say you know a couple of years we got numerous requests for 
uh, like a long trucker wallet or biker wallet with a chain and a snap and all that. So once we get enough demand for something, a, a, a I'll big put... goth following. Yeah, yeah right. All, all the goths <laughs> want their chain wallets. No. <laughs> yeah, no, it's more like the the truckers and the the bikers. But uh, yeah, once once I, we get enough demand for something, then I'll put the time into trying to figure out something that works and. Um, you guys going to partner with Hell's Angels? <laughs> yeah. That that's actually cuz you were asking before are, are like are like the the customers that that know the most about leather. That's actually I completely forgot bikers. about that. Bikers are yep. huge. Yep. They I love it when I come by the shop too cuz they they like they'll look at all of our stuff and they'll be like asking all the right questions and I'm like this guy knows what he's talking do you, about. Do you guys have a lot of customers come by the shop? Uh yeah. So, um, so it's it's not it's I it's not a retail, say, store not a retail no. storefront, and we don't we don't advertise or market. Just people it, like love leather, and they they'll find us online and really, and yeah. they'll just pop in. Yep, that's cool. Yeah, we don't even have a sign on the building, so it's I don't know how they find us, but because uh, it's it's you know I mean you you can look around. It's it's a workshop. It's not yeah. even really like a storefront or not even an office building. You yeah, know? from the outside, it's pretty discreet. Yeah, too. you wouldn't. Um, but customers still find us, and yeah, bikers are a big one because they they know their leather as well, and uh, they're uh, they're yeah, it's 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 that that's a huge one for us. Because plus, you know, with the rivets as well, um, that's like a big thing. So they like that kind of um, that use of rivets yeah. versus thread stitching. Yeah, that makes sense. So in terms of owning a business, what do you like about it, and what's the worst part about it? <laughs> Uh, are there more likes than dislikes? <laughs> uh, there are. And, and that's the thing is, you know, owning a business, it's, I, I think that the one thing that you, you don't, that I guess like you don't really know, because I, I, you know, like I, I've had friends whose parents own businesses and they either sell them and, you know, like they, the, I always ask them like, well, how could you sell your own business? Like it, on the outside, it's like, it looks like the dream. And it's just like, well, I don't have to worry about like payroll anymore and, and, you know, balancing the budget and like sales and marketing and keeping up with all this stuff. And uh, it's like, it's definitely not one of those jobs where you just like, you can show up and you get a paycheck. And right. uh, that's what they don't tell you about like entrepreneurship is, you know, you, you work the most hours and you're the last to get paid because, yeah. you know, you got to pay everybody else, all your employees, your contractors, uh, everything like that. So that's that's the con, but I will say the end of the day, like, and we talk about this all the time, as hard as this is and as much as we work, it doesn't feel like work. Like, we, 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 we're living the dream right now. Like, I love coming into work every day. I, I love, like, what I do. You know, I'm f super fortunate that I work with, like, mostly family and friends and people that... Um, that you'd want to spend your time with anyway. That all, yeah, and it's... Uh, I, as hard as it is, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade for anything. I don't know what your opinion. Uh, yeah, the same. And I think uh, I think the thing that I like is uh, like you don't really know what your future holds. You know, when I was working, uh, when I had like my typical nine to five job, I, I knew how much money I would make and how much I'd have in my retirement bank account and and twenty years and thirty years from now. Where this, I I have no idea, and it's. Uh, it, it, it's a level of excitement that, you know, motivates me. And, uh, and it's also just, it, it's like a great creative outlet. Um, as we've learned to how to like bring a product from idea to market, um, 
it's a really valuable skill that we can apply to anything. So it, it's, you know, I think there's more for American Benchcraft than just leather goods. And that also excites me that I, I have that flexi flexibility to, you know, creatively expand what we're doing. And uh, there's just there's just a lot of opportunity in it. And it's all kind of, um, it's all up to us, like how much of it we pursue. So it's just, it's nice having that control. Yeah, that's, that's that all makes sense. Um, obviously, you guys probably keep keep a lot of future plans close to the chest. But if there's anything you can share with us, just about like your vision down the road, new products, just or just in general, like if you know if there were to be expansion or anything like that. Yeah, um, I mean, eventually, what uh, what we'd like to do is we're gonna eventually move the shop a little bit north and uh, buy our own land build like an a, a much bigger um kind of workshop yeah type. to operate out of and eventually we'd like to have it be like you know a location that people can visit possibly have a, a storefront something like that and just kind of you know um have it be like a destination like that that we can uh you know you can come and see how everything's made and all that and then um you know, in terms of other other products or whatever, I think we'll eventually get into bags. We do a little bit of wax canvas bags right now, and uh, we'll probably like expand that line. Clothing, um, possibly. Uh, we get a lot of requests for leather jackets. I don't know if we'll ever get into that, but it, it definitely would be something cool to get into. And uh, yeah, other than that, I mean, it's uh, there's a lot, but we're, we're kind of still, still, still figuring out where we want to go with it. Yeah, no, it sounds like, I mean, it's, it's always good to have, have that vision though, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I assume further north because just more land and a little yeah, bit. Exactly. Uh, and and I, lo I love it up in like New Hampshire and Maine and it's, uh, yeah, it's just kind of where we've always wanted to end up. Nice. All right. Um, and then... I would like to, what would you say the keys to your success have been? And if there are other people out there looking to start up their own business, what advice would you pass along? Like what's, how, why, what's like keys to success and then uh, how to apply that if you were to start, if you were to start over? Yeah, I, I would, for me, I think the, the two biggest things, especially with entrepreneurship are resiliency um, there's a lot of setbacks and we, we had a setback literally from the first two weeks of starting this business. We got a cease and desist while our Kickstarter campaign was live. The, the company that sent to us before they even gave us a chance to respond, went and tried to get our Kickstarter pulled down. And it was just, it was like a month of, of, uh, just a lot of stress and headache. And, um, you know, we, we ended up changing our name, um, and, getting everything squared away, but I mean, it, it was, it was literally within two weeks starting the business and it, there was definitely moments of like, what did we get ourselves into? Is this even worth it? And I'll just say it definitely is worth it. And, uh, yeah, so resiliency. And then the other thing I would say is, is being able to pivot, um, pivot like on a dime, like entrepreneurship is the great thing about it is where you are a small company you can change direction really easily and, and figure out like, oh, if you, if you went, you know, running with this idea, you know, and you hit a wall, you, you think like, oh, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Well, just, just pivot and change direction, go into something else. And, um, we've done that with like a lot of our products. Like I'm, 
I'm sure when we were starting out, we thought all we were ever going to do is make wallets and sell millions of wallets, and that's not the case. And now we have over over 50 different different SKUs, and uh, and you know it's because we're always looking for like, okay, what what are people what do people want? What's the market demanding? Whatever, and we we get into that, and we can get into it really quickly because we are so small. And that's the benefit of being an entrepreneur or be, being a small business owner is you have the ability to change direction, pivot really easily. So that's just another skill that you need to make sure that you have um, the ability to do. Anything to add? Um, just, uh, yeah, just make sales, you know, keep the bills coming in. And, and honestly, the biggest thing is, is if, if you make a good product, uh, it's, it's, it's easy to sell. The next best thing you can do is just like take care of your customers, and um, you know, even though our our customer base or the customer base that buys directly from us is small, um, they're super passionate, super enthusiastic, and you know, we talk about this all the time. Is we have one of the best customer bases in the world. Um, they're you know like they're smart people, competent, and that's you know what you want. Uh, you know, every once in a while you'll get someone that. You know, can be like a difficult person to deal with, and in the, the day, you know, just cut them loose or or whatnot, because uh, someone's not going to be happy with you know. It, there's always going to be someone who's not unhappy, and if the you know, there's there's no sense, um, you know, trying to keep those people or string them along, because you know, if they're not happy, hey, your product's not for them. You know, you you can't t- really take offense to that, and uh, but yeah, the the other ninety nine point nine percent of our customers are just. Uh, we, we, we bend over backwards and do whatever we can for them. And, uh, and that's what's kept us in business all these years is just uh, we have, like, a great return customer or a customer retention rate. And, um, like, even when during slower times, like, we can rely on that because people just still buy one product and they just keep coming back and buying more and more. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's that's, that's how you stay in business. That's how you survive. That's how you make money. It's just like, you know. Give them the customers, customers what they want. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like this, it it literally is blows my mind. It's an old school business model, um, you know, like with like corporations and stuff like that, which like, you know, like companies spend so much money on advertising and new customer acquisition, and they don't spend any money just trying to keep the customers that they that they already have, and that's why you know, like you look at like your cable company or whatever people or your cell phone company or yeah, whatever you're switching every two years every two years because they don't care about they, they spend so much money on trying to advertise in new customers and we like started off like trying to advertise and it was just we were getting priced out of, out of the market because we didn't we were a small company didn't have the uh didn't have the budget and all of a sudden we just started we started just like focusing on like paying attention to our current customers like what did they like about our products what did they dislike what can we do to make them happier what can we do to to introduce new products to them and get them keep coming back it was way less expensive and they were just happier and that's that's where what our whole business model is, is we spend very little money on advertising to new customers and the majority of our the majority of of what we do it just goes into how can we improve the customer experience how can we make our customers happy how can we keep them coming back and we like I said, we bend over backwards for them because 
they're what's keeping us in business, not us. At the us. end of the day, that's where you're getting a lot of good new businesses, the referrals exactly. and, and things like that. Exactly. All that's, organic yep. type grassroots marketing. Exactly. We don't spend a lot of money on advertising because of that. You know, if, you, if, like a, if I go up and try to pitch my products to somebody and I'm like, hey, buy our wallet, it's the best thing, to somebody that I don't know, it's like, all right, well, what does this kid know? Like, he's just, but if your friend comes up to you and is like, dude this is the best wallet like you trust your friends right and that's what we do is hey like can you share can you talk about us share about us tell people about us did you like it you know is there anything we can do to make it better and uh yeah just just having that that customer service focus and orientation you it'll your business will grow on its own and uh and that's that's what you want yeah 100 percent. yeah well said all right well we are Coming to the end of the show, um, so I guess one, where can people find you guys? What what should they look forward to this upcoming holiday season? Give me a uh, give me a little sales pitch right here. <laughs> All right, yeah. So you can find us at www.americanbenchcraft.com. I'll list this in the show notes as well, so it'll be uh, it'll be underneath right when you click on the episode. Yeah, and uh, your best bet is just to subscribe to our newsletter. That's where you'll get all our sales and promotions and all new product launches for the next year. And we, we definitely um, usually launch a few new products right uh, right leading up to the holiday season in the October-November time frame. So what, yeah. What's a good present to find underneath the tree? What, <laughs> what, do, what, do, what do people like? Uh, what, what's the most popular thing that you sell around the holidays? Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely belts. Belts, it's... Uh, you almost can't go wrong with the belt, um, and it's uh, it's definitely our most popular gift item. And the only time you'll ever have to buy a belt again is if it's for somebody else. Right, exactly. Or you want a different color. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The beauty is, yeah. you know, you can buy the belt, and, you know, I, I every every three years, every two years, whenever I'd place a belt, I was like, all right, which color do I want to get this time? Because I don't want to, you know. Now I, I buy, you know, one belt, and uh, I have like a bunch of different belts and I know they're never going to wear out so I get different colors different combinations and for the first time in my life I'm actually paying attention to style and <laughs> accessorizing that I never did before who would have thought Chris Angelini yeah. would be so fashionable <laughs> I know I only, I only ever had one belt so I was just like oh I'm just going to wear this with everything <laughs> so. nice well uh, thanks guys for the interview that was a lot of um, and as I said you can find them at AmericanBenchCraft.com are you guys on social media at all? We do, yeah. We have a good social media following, so please follow us. Our our handle for uh, Instagram is at Benchcraft. Um, that's prime where we're most active. And then on Facebook, I think if you just search American Benchcraft, we'll pop up there. All purchases can be made through the website. Oh yeah, uh, or uh, sell pretty much exclusively online. Of course, if you are local, um, we do. We don't stock inventory, which is what keeps us, you know, kind of. From having that storefront, yeah. Yeah, everything is made to order. So um, if you do want to stop by the shop, which you, we do allow customers to do, is you can, uh, rather than pay for shipping, you can do customer pickup. You can stop by the shop if you can find it, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, There will be no hints given. It's no. going to be like a like a treasure hunt. <laughs> or no name. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so. But, yeah, primarily online, AmericanBenchCraft.com. That's, uh, that's where you'll get everything know about us. Great. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. Check out your local belt and wallet manufacturer, AmericanBenchCraft.com. And uh, that's all we got.